Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers, and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, Moorhead State University President Dr. Jay Morgan will join us. He'll talk about the challenges and the opportunities on his campus right now. We'll hear from the home of the Eagles shortly. But first, the housing market is shifting right now in Lexington and the Bluegrass region. Interest rates have jumped. The supply of available homes has grown some. It appears the market it remains though hot and values are high. Uh, that's great if you're a homeowner, maybe a challenge if you're looking. Joining us from Elbar, CEO Justin Landon and this year's president Rusty Underwood. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. First time we've done this in person in a while. That's right. So, well, we're glad to be here. We well, appreciate you coming. Uh, Justin, uh, how would you describe what we're seeing in the real estate market in, the, in central and southern Kentucky right now? Yeah. Oh, easy question, Bill. All right, we can we can summarize it real quickly. Uh, in reality, what we're dealing with is uh, we have to acknowledge that 2020 and 2021 were kind of these unprecedented years uh, in real estate. We had a, a, a massive growth in, in the real estate economy. Uh, in some cases, uh, you know, 30 and 40 percent more uh, volume transacted in those years than in previous years. And so, as we look at 2022, we're comparing uh, to numbers that were really unprecedented. And so we're not quite keeping pace uh, with what we saw in 2021. Uh, we're a little behind, but, but only a little. And when you compare what's happening in 2022 to say pre-pandemic levels, uh, we are still seeing uh, significant gains uh, over where we were at in 2019. And despite the fact that inventory is limited and, and demand is at an all-time high, still, despite the rising interest rates, um, you know, prices continue to appreciate consistently and healthy. Uh, although perhaps not quite uh, the same rate of appreciation we've seen over the last 18 months or 24 months. First, it sounds like it depends on kind of where you are, whether you're a buyer, a seller, or, or you're holding right now. Sure. Yeah, it is still a seller's market. That's one of the most uh, commonly asked questions that we get. Although the interest rates and the you know mass of inflation have decreased the buyer pool a little bit, it was always kind of a demand problem to begin with. So cutting down some of that demand has really still not kept pace with the lack of ability to supply additional inventory. So we're still seeing home prices maintaining and gaining value. Are you hearing interest rates uh, when uh, you're, you're talking with uh, prospective sellers and buyers right now? Absolutely. I mean, the interest rate, uh, you know, rapid escalation has decreased some buyers' uh, purchasing potential. However, uh, you know, it's really just a better time than any to get with your realtor because we have all kinds of creative solutions. There are creative lending products out there. And, you know, the investment in the homeownership is still one of the best fundamental investments you can make in this country. I also think it's really worth noting that although rates are up from where they were the last two years, you know, we hear uh, things thrown around like historic lows. And yeah, uh, we had historic low interest rates uh, over the last two years, but it was not that long ago that we had rates at, at five and a quarter. In fact, when I bought my first home here in Lexington in 2018, I bought at a five and a quarter rate. Now, they dropped pretty quickly after that, and I refinanced when, when a lot of other folks did. But rates remain at, at sort of uh, historical norms. Um, and you know, a rate in the fives and in the high fives, maybe even low sixes, um, has not been unusual over the last 20, 25 years of real estate. 2018 was a pretty good year to buy, wasn't it, when you compare yeah. the value now, right? <laughs> I got lucky. I timed it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and hasn't that happened to a lot of people who have uh, simply become wealthier uh, over the last couple of years because of the value of their home? Yes, and I think that's one of the big distinctions to make between this market and previous markets where we have seen some era of correction. In previous years, um, you know, everybody likes to compare everything to the uh, 2008 and 2009 issue. 
where homeowners were fundamentally undercapitalized in their property. And due to this rapid acceleration of purchase price, uh, really everyone is extremely well capitalized. There's a lot of equity in the properties, and the loan products are very different than the ones that existed prior to. So that's really you know, what caused a massive shift in inventory, which led to prices bottoming out. And we don't see any evidence of anything like that happening. Are we still in this uh, sort of dramatic time where uh, people uh, basically have to get their own home on the market uh, before they go looking because you have to be positioned because a better qualified buyer may come along? Yeah, the, uh, the era of contingent purchases, contingent on the sale of other real estate are pretty limited right now. But that being said, um, you know, with all of this rapid escalation and the competitiveness that took place between uh, really since 2012 until present when we've just continually escalated, uh, there are a ton of very convenient loan products out there that are able to turn a purchaser into a non-contingent purchaser and some kind of creative financing options and ways to write the contract. Again, another reason why you know, calling up your realtor and talking this through before you start looking you know, online at properties is probably the best move. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that. Um, I can't uh, buy unless I sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I don't want to sell if I can't buy. So you're sort of stuck in this, in this position, and that's where uh, you know, we and our members of, of LBAR have, have, have contracts available to them, documents available to them to help uh, navigate some of those contractual difficulties in terms of giving a buyer uh, protection as they look to, to sell and a, and a uh, seller some protection as they look to buy. Is there a way that uh, people can better position themselves to buy right now in terms of uh, you know just getting their finances in order maybe a couple of three months before they really sure. start to look? Yeah, absolutely. Understanding the market fundamentally and your own personal position because every you know purchaser is unique is fundamental to success in the market right now. Uh, the bottom of the line is basically that it is still extremely competitive, and so you need to be in a good possession to be competitive in the marketplace, which means understanding what your options are before you get into negotiations. We talked uh, early on in the pandemic about how people really were changing their priorities rapidly in terms of what they were looking for. Home offices uh, were big, bigger home entertainment areas, uh, outdoor entertainment areas were suddenly uh, very popular. Has that changed uh, some now that people have, for the most part, moved back to the workplace? Yeah, uh, I think it has a little bit. We saw a little bit of a shift away from, you know, dense urban areas. People, you know, prior to that really valued, uh, you know, walk to, you know, the restaurant and park sort of thing. And and there was a shift away from that to get more space, more privacy, better outdoor livable areas, home offices, and allow, you know, the people inside the home to have some room to stretch their legs. And I think there has been a shift back to some downtown markets. And some of the trends that we saw there are starting to dissipate. Gasoline prices, do you hear about that in terms of commuting? Because that's the other side. Maybe people were getting more comfortable moving out to the suburbs, but then now they're also dealing with the higher fuel cost. Sure. We've heard a little bit of that. I think really it's more just a general inflation conversation that happens from most uh, consumers right now. They're looking at the cost of everything, which has gone up. Housing, the cost of their mortgage, inflation. But the bottom line is uh, that the investment is still there. And it is still historically low in terms of financing for personal property. So they seem to out, the benefits seem to outweigh the cost, for sure. Justin, we have talked over the years about Lexington's uh, home affordability. And at every level, uh, the, the, there is an issue uh, from first-time home buyers trying to get uh, positioned uh, to more upscale areas where the prices are, are high. Do you see uh, any shift in trends that encourages you at all? 
the, the reality is that the median home price in Fayette County has been on a rapid rise for, for a long time. Uh, driven largely by some of the factors Rusty talked about, simple supply and demand, right? More people want to live here than we have homes available. I don't see anything in the near term that's going to change uh, that supply and demand equation. Uh, but what we are seeing is that uh, obviously if, if you can't afford the median home uh, here in Fayette County, they're going one county out. Uh, and now we're really seeing quite a bit of, you know, now two county out. Uh, and, and you know, really making sure that you're thinking about home ownership in a holistic way, about the total cost of home ownership, right? The commute from Lexington to, say, Montgomery County needs to be part of that equation as you, as you look at a home. Uh, we do expect uh, the median sales price in Fayette County to touch 300000 uh, this year. Uh, I think when I came to Lexington in 2018, we were right about 200000 as a median sales price. So um, things have changed a lot, and they've changed fast. Um, and the reality is wages haven't kept up. As a community, you know, we just have to be aware of that and, and, and try to program around it. When, uh, Rusty, you're, you're talking to people, is that is location a big part of uh, the discussion uh, early on? Absolutely. I mean, that's the age-old, you know, location, location, location for real estate. But I think that people's minds have gotten opened a little bit more. And Lexington, uh, you know, has progressively over time become less of a live-where-you-work type community. And we are more of a regional center for Central Kentucky. And so we do see a lot more sprawl into the counties. And, yeah, so that's been the case. Are those ca areas, uh, I mean, there, there seems to be more development going on in, in uh, Madison, Jessamine, Scott County, uh, f uh, for example. And the Kentucky State Data Center, using Census Bureau information, is estimating that for the first time, Fayette County may have actually lost some population since the 2020 census. And areas like Madison and Scott and Jessamine are growing quickly. Yes, that is true. Um, those communities do have a little more availability than Fayette County for new construction. Um, so that's certainly driving a lot of it. They can supplement their inventory and therefore oftentimes create a greater sense of, um, um, of affordability for their new construction options. What do you see in the, uh, in the months ahead in terms of trends? Uh, we don't know what's around the corner. Obviously, you know, since 2020, we, there have been a lot of things happened. But uh, as best you can see right now, uh, what would you say for the rest of this year? Yeah, I think every time I come on the show, Bill, you have a good question like this. And I, I think I always say, if I knew, um, I'd be doing something else. <laughs> but um, the, the reality is I, I don't think we're in for any major shift anytime soon. Uh, we have heard people say in the marketplace, I'm waiting for the correction, I'm waiting for the, for the drop, I'm waiting for maybe what I saw in, in 2007, 2008 to happen now. And again, all of the economic indication, all of the market indications don't show that that's true. We have more equity in homes than any time uh, in history. And so uh, what I expect is, is more of what we've seen recently. Uh, home prices continue to appreciate. Uh, at an above historic norm, you know, what, you know, is it going to be 15% annual increase? Probably not. We might see something more like 8 to 10. Um, again, that's just uh, pulling out of thin air. Um, but it's not going to be what we used to see 10, 20 years ago, which was 2 to 3% a year, right? We're not going back to that uh, anytime soon. And while rates uh, are impossible to predict right now, um, they're probably going to go up a little bit. Of course, they just came down last week, um, almost as fast as they've ever come down uh, ever, um, is not really going to be a huge barrier, I don't think. Um, the advice that I hear a lot of realtors give folks is the best time to buy a home was yesterday, and the next best time to buy is today. All right, and I think well, that's going to remain true for a while. Rusty said come talk to uh, a realtor, right, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. Thanks for coming by, gentlemen. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, Thanks for having time. Stay with us. We'll be hearing from Dr. Jay Morgan, the president of Moorhead State, in just a moment.
We've been visiting with university presidents this summer from across Kentucky, and today the president of Moorhead State is here from the home of the Eagles. Moorhead is a comprehensive public university with undergraduate, graduate, and up-and-coming doctoral programs. From its campus in northeastern Kentucky, MSU reaches out to its service region and way beyond, even into outer space with its space science center and programs. Dr. Jay Morgan is Moorhead State University's 14th president, dedicates himself to the job by being visible on campus and off. That has paid off in fundraising, student retention, and he has his eye on the goal of even higher rankings for Moorhead State. Mr. President, welcome. We appreciate you coming in. Very Great much. to be with you, Bill. You finally uh, got to kind of have a bit of a normal situation on campus toward the end of the, the last school year, right? I'll underline finally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we uh, Last school year was a good one, Bill. We, we had all the successes that you could probably ever want in athletics and academically and otherwise but we still had that frustrating feature of wearing masks uh, most of the school year. We did drop them in early March like most others did. Uh, our students were great. Uh, they had a positive attitude about it even though they didn't like it. So we, we had a pretty good year last year, all could, things considered. Could you tell a difference in, in students once the, the masks went away in terms well, of Well, number one, you, you could see people other right. than from here, here to here. See smiles, yeah. <laughs> so we did see some smiles come out, literally and, and figuratively. Uh, but related to that, you, you could see the energy start to come out, and people, as they first started taking them off, thought, is this real? <laughs> right. <laughs> is this real? Is this what college feels like without a mask? Uh, a lot of great, our great students, and they were, they, they were wonderful to work through it. A lot of our uh, presidents are at different points in their lives uh, when they're serving. You have young kids who are actually uh, around campus uh, right now, right? Uh, well, my, my wife and I have young kids, uh, uh, three, uh, blessed to have three three great children. Um, number one, we most people drink coffee, but we take it by IV because <laughs> life is so busy between uh, Moorhead State and shuttling our own kids around. But, you know, our, our kids have grown up uh, for the past five years on a college campus, and our students have even come to know them and wave to them as they come by. So what a wonderful experience for, uh, you know, young children to grow up on a campus. So we're, we're blessed. and. Uh, in that respect, uh, they're very well known on campus. Well, that's fun. Your board recently passed a budget and a plan for the coming year. Uh, how do you balance uh, the, the costs that a campus has with trying to keep education affordable and at the same time deal with this uh, headwind yeah. of uh, inflation yeah, sure. and higher costs we have well, right now? First, let me compliment our board. Our board of regents, composed of 11 people, we, we have worked with them uh, very closely over the past couple of years to hold tuition down. And if you look back the past three or four years at Moorhead State University, we have not raised tuition hardly at all. A couple of percent here and there just to keep up with some small inflationary aspects. But we maintain a commitment to keep a, a very affordable education for our region and beyond. Related to that, uh, things are becoming a little bit more unaffordable uh, with inflation, and we're recognizing that. Uh, we've tried to help our employees as much as we can through raises, uh, compensation raises, but we're also seeing some very significant inflationary factors for things that we buy and running programs. How does that play out? Give me an example. Well, a couple of examples. We tried to order carpet the other day, and as I was sharing with you uh, earlier, someone else earlier, you, you can't get carpet in under 18 weeks. 
fleece the carpet that we need. And when you do, it's 30% more than what you saw in the past. And that's a micro example of what we see all across campus. And being a large organization, we're constantly ordering things, uh, doing things for our students, and those costs are, are going up. So as we kind of balance our budget for the university and work with our board, we have to do it very carefully. And really, at the end of the day, we try to determine what's best for the student, and that's where we put our money. Your service region has long had its challenges. As we know, Appalachian, Kentucky is some of the country's poorest areas and poor health outcomes. Uh, but education has long been seen as the, as the way to uh, try to improve it's things. It's the gateway. And I know the university reaches out in a lot of ways, including tutoring some students out there, hoping that they might someday make their way to uh, your campus or another. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, one of the things that we do to, to support our region and students coming from our region and outside the region is to provide a good student success environment. And that student success looks uh, different for each student. For one individual it might be uh, invasive tutoring, high quality advising, and for another student it might be support in other, other ways. For instance, uh, we're investing heavily in our quality enhancement plan, which really focuses on getting students internships during the summer and during semesters to get them that quality hands-on work experience in business and organizations. We're investing heavily in undergraduate research, service learning, and a variety of other things, really, so we have a comprehensive student success environment for our students. Kentucky has some very real workforce issues. The whole country does, but Kentucky seems to be acute. We have a historically low unemployment, but we still have tens of thousands of job openings that, uh, that go unfilled. And we know there's a critical shortage of uh, nurses and, and teachers, uh, law enforcement uh, with uh, troubles in recruiting people. Are you having success in attracting students into areas like that, or is it a challenge on campus as well? Well, not only is it a challenge on campus, but we've seen shifts over time. And, and just in the past couple of years, we've seen students who are, are migrating to new fields that have been uh, built through curriculum that weren't there many years or several years ago. We're also seeing some shortage in teachers. We're seeing a little bit of softness in uh, individuals who want to go in the nursing profession. I think COVID probably turned some of the tide there. I think that will come back around now that we're hopefully we're seeing the tail end of COVID. I would say the largest area with the greatest demand right now would probably be uh, educating teachers who will go into our K-12 system here in Kentucky. That is probably the single largest area where students are turning away from right now. That could turn around with some time, uh, but I think they've seen these challenges over the past couple of years dealing with COVID, and students pick up on that pretty quickly. Well, as somebody who spent your life uh, in education, uh, what do you say to students who, who might consider uh, that as a career, but who also have seen that maybe teachers uh, feel underappreciated and mm -hmm. undercompensated and so on? Well, I, th I think some of it starts with advising. We have a number of students will come to the university and say, I'm interested in teaching. But as they migrate through, they, they pick up pretty quickly that if they're pretty good in a certain area, let's just use science or engineering, that they can make more money elsewhere. So some of it is in our advising process is trying to keep students in it and appealing to things such as you know quality of life, teacher has good quality of life, 
uh, service to your local community, service to the region, uh, connection with youth and building leadership and, and a pipeline for the future. So there are some things that are non-monetary that we can work with students on to try to keep them in, in education. What's a, a program or something on campus that you think should get more attention that it does? Well, you know, the, the program that probably always gets the blue chip attention is space science, right. and we're well known for that, and, and rightly so, a very strong program. You know, there, there's some hidden gems all over campus that are very quality programs. You know, one of them that I'm constantly amazed at is our art program. Uh, a, a nice program, rather small, but the quality of work that they turn out and the things that they do is uh, very monumental for our region, particularly around our Kentucky Folk Arts uh, Center there on campus, showcasing art from various artists around the region, integrating our students with the center. They do a marvelous job. Our nursing program remains very strong, and while you hear a lot about nursing, Many of them are unsung heroes. They leave our nursing program, they go back somewhere in the region and beyond, some cross state lines, north and south, east and west, but they go back out and do fabulous work out in the region and in healthcare settings. I can't say enough good things about them. You're a few w weeks away from starting a new year. Uh, what uh, What's going to be different on campus yeah, this year? Yeah. Again, you hope that, uh, that COVID remains at bay and that that's uh, not an issue, certainly. Mm -hmm. Well, there's excitement that always comes with the beginning of a new school year, and we're about uh, a month and a half away. We start our first class on August the 15th. But one thing that's special about this fall is we'll be celebrating our 100th centennial anniversary as a state-supported institution. Moorhead State University began state-supported in 1922, so if you count forward, here we are at the 100-year mark. But also what's special about this fall, and we actually hit this in October, November, is Moorhead State University began as a little bitty school perched on the side of a hill in 1887. Wow. And if you put that math together, we'll be celebrating 135 years of educating students in our region and beyond. And, and what a wonderful trajectory that's been for our region and for the students who have come through our doorways. And some important milestones there to, to take note of. Uh, how do universities these days deal with uh, discourse and the, the tough topics that are out there, all the divisiveness we have in politics and issues, and uh, there are young people forming their uh, their opinions and their minds uh, going forward on campus, and, yes, yes. and uh, uh, they might not always agree. Well, I, I commonly say a university should be a marketplace of ideas, not always a marketplace of division. So we actively encourage and we want students to come to our university, think about the future, think about ideas, think about how they can progress, not only on campus but off campus. And sometimes that brings vigorous debate. And that's okay. We just ask for it to be civil debate. How important are athletics at Moorhead State, and and, uh, and what is it looking like for the for the fall ahead? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> if uh, if my crystal ball were clear, I would I would probably tell you I, I think we're entering this fall with some strength, and I see a lot of good activity around uh, our continued success of our basketball program. Our men's basketball has done well. Our our women's basketball team is rebuilding right now. A great new energetic coach coming in. Uh, baseball is a very nice, solid, steady 
uh, team. I think they're poised to do well. I see a lot of uh, continuation of the success of our volleyball program, our ladies volleyball program. Men and women golf is steady and stable. They always do a great job. So I, th I think we're going to see some success uh, this fall and maybe a little bit of the pressure that we um, had during COVID to, to mask up and do certain things go away. So a little bit more freedom there. For some years, uh, the, the state legislature was in a position to uh, really have to do a lot of cuts, mm -hmm. and the choice often was higher education as, yes. a, as a place to go with a scalpel and, 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 and cut, or at least not uh, fund at, at a level that, uh, uh, that they have been able to do this time. Uh, so now there is some increase in higher education funding and spending, and I am hearing from the presidents out there that you're glad that is the case right now. Well, it seems like the, the skies have become blue again for a while. And thankful for the uh, legislative support, the governor's office support, and the investment in higher education. What does that mean for Moorhead State University? Well, first of all, and I think the prize, or, or the big uh, prize, we were awarded an appropriation of $98 million to build a new science and engineering building, and we're starting that process over the next 12 months or so. So that will really form a cornerstone for our campus to further build out our science and engineering programs to, to support the region and the Commonwealth. Uh, the General Assembly also appropriated uh, $35 million to our campus for deferred maintenance, air conditioners, pipes, plumbing, things, uh, normal things that you have to keep going on a large facility like ours. And then also uh, uh, very pleased to announce that we'll be expanding the Craft Academy. Craft Academy, as you know, is a, a science and technology academy, science and engineering academy. And we'll be expanding from 148 students to about 190 to 200 students over the course of the next two years. So that is a, that's a gem for our campus and a gem for the region. Mr. President, thanks for coming by from Moorhead State, getting us up to date. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Always good to be with Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers in just a moment. We want to thank you for joining us for Kentucky Newsmakers. One of our scheduled guests next week is State Senator Julie Rocky Adams. Have a good week ahead.